Father, you just say whatever you want. I just want to say prayer. Yeah, of course. Let's go. Father, God, we love you and we bless you. We ask that um, tonight we not glorify ourselves, but only glorify you, the triune God. We ask that anything good that comes from you through us be for the salvation of souls. We trust all tonight to you, Almighty God, through the hands of St. Michael the Archangel and the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Holy Theotokos, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, my woman. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us in the battle. We are against the wickedness and the of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And be thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into the hell of Satan, and all evil spirits who are all about the world, seeking the root of souls. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we Thank you for an increase in faith, hope, and charity in the spirit of adoption. As we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And again, Almighty God, we ask that tonight glorify you as we pray. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Isaac Job. Pray for us. St. John Braybrook. Pray for us. St. Jerome. Pray for us. St. Padre Pio. Pray for us. St. Catherine Siena. Pray for us. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, so we spoke a little earlier about you guys. Do you say among or amongst? Oh, Hail Mary. Not again. <laughs> Hail Mary, full grace. I got to say, I, am, I agree with Anthony on this one. I hear the among. I'm like so thrown off. I get thrown off when you guys say among. It's among. Yeah, among. But among is actually. But my traditional priest and my traditional rapper over here say among. It's a little off-putting. Among is Old English. Amongst is Middle English. I don't care. Stop <laughs> being contrarian. <laughs> I say amongst. Of course you do. You're not weird. Yeah, I say amongst. As long as you don't say you, instead of you. Use. How cool was this? Like, every every time I get, like, a little too lax, Father comes in, he's like, knock it off, I'm going to pray. It's been all weekend. Even in the car right up, like every time I was getting like a little too lax, he calls us to prayer. It's, it's really cool. I need someone to be there to keep me focused. Um, no, if I'm not in constant prayer, I it's not good. I mean, Satan attacks priests so much more than laymen that it, it's not cracking you into shape. It's cracking myself into shape. Um, you just have I've, to be along for the ride. If there's anything I've been impressed with this weekend, it's at how seriously you take prayer. Well, I have to. It's not. Yeah, I'm not even patting you on the back. It's I never. All right, so before we booked it, um, I asked you to come. You're like, I kind of need my own space because you know the monk thing is not just for, yeah, hermit. the hermit thing is not just for show. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of praying to do, and even on the ride up, we were we were getting through conversation. You were just like, all right, guys, let's stop. Like we prayed the rosary on the way up. There was just so many times that you prayer this weekend where I was getting a little too lax. It's very impressive, and at the same time, I. I have said several times this weekend, thank you, God, you did not call me the priesthood. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. very difficult. It's not it's not an easy thing. And not that I do it because of this, but like, you know, I do I think because last night was so good, I was saying to a couple guys outside, if we're gonna record this again, I don't want anything to go to our heads. I don't want it to go to my head. I don't want it to go, but I'm gonna put this on my thing. And, and the amazing thing is when we try to hold on to something that's like 
ours, we think I can nickel and dime God to death. He can have some of it, but I want this. But not only is God faithful in eternity, I've noticed anytime I hand over something that I think I have the better plan and I hand it over to God, it really does go better. So the first reason I wanted to just pray is to make sure I don't have any pride tonight. But a very distant second reason is I know it goes better because none of us are Carthusian. So God, I assume, or maybe I'm wrong, I assume God wants to bless your listeners, but he can only do that if we're cooperative with his grace. Yeah. So that's where I also pray because I want this, I want your listeners to be edified. Yeah, I think this weekend would have just been guys hanging out. Had you not been here. Had you not been here. I'm you know? glad, yeah. I'm and extremely it, glad. Oh, it went from being just guys hanging out to a retreat. Right. It yeah. changed the whole dynamic of the trip. It changed the whole dynamic of the trip. Hanging out with a lot of Thank you for saying that. But I needed it just as much as you guys. Tell you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think most priests even get, uh, like, get the opportunity to just go hang out with men. Right? That's it's right. not because it's so. Look, one of the biggest problems I think in like, but we were just talking about what they get to do. They their parish. They have. A men's group with how many guys? Are there? 15, 20. 15 to 20 nice. guys that they meet every first Tuesday of the month. I don't know 20 guys in my parish. I know about seven or eight guys in my parish. And the idea, like the, 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 the importance of just getting men together, where restoring healthy male relationships. It's it's such a, a rare thing these days. Joey, can you turn that one off? The outside? Yeah. Can you? I don't even know if you can. Do you know how to turn the fan on or not? Turn the fan on, just hit uh it's the middle. You see the all right, so there's a light switch on the bottom and then there's this button they look like circles. Yeah. Hit like uh one or two. No no, that's the light. Then hit one or two. There's there's a thing that says one or two. Technology. There you go. Um yeah, there's uh there, there's such a, a, a lack of like healthy male friendships. And, you know, like last night we were talking about the the barrier for entry, we didn't use this term, but the barrier for entry for men's maybe it's a maybe it's a little bit less I mean I'm as anti feminist as anybody in this room, but maybe a little less anti feminist way than what we said yesterday, the way to put it, <laughs> is the barrier for entry for men to be vulnerable with each other is a lot lower than women. Yeah. And because our barrier for entry for vulnerability is so much lower than women, those Tuesday night things should really be more common because it's it's actually pretty easy for us to sit around and talk. So this isn't saying men or women better than women or women better than men, but just the fact that it's easier for us to be vulnerable, we really have no excuse for not getting together. It's, especially because when we're in our daily life with our wives or children, that's when at least I can't be involved. Right, because you not be what as vulnerable with them because no, there's more responsibility. You have, to, you have uh, to be the man of the home. Right, interesting. You know, where I can open up more with struggles here than 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 you than you can with family. Maybe. Yeah, how how good has it been to have our show to sit down on a Tuesday and Thursday night and just all right, we get to talk for two hours and yeah. just get, whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's goofing on something or interviewing somebody seriously, you get to have an actual conversation with other men. Like we don't really put women on the podcast. I mean, I've wanted to, but you're constantly like, I'll never have show. I mean, you're a very yes, you're very chauvinist. I'm a misogynist, I mean, yeah. Right. You don't like women. I mean, I think 
women are great. I think they're <laughs> annoying, right? Is what yeah, you, yeah. you just uh, think they're so annoying. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Fawaz, what were you saying about uh, TikTok brain? <laughs> so you guys were talking earlier about TikTok brain. Well, the conversation came up because we're talking about mental prayer. And Eddie was talking about mental prayer yesterday. And we were talking about like what the process is because we talked about mental prayer to do an hour or trying to do an hour. But what is, what is that process? What does it look like for a lot of people? And then doing, doing youth ministry for so long, one of the, the problems we have right now is what I call TikTok brain. Is that they flip so fast on one thing to the next that the dopamine effect is so quick? How much, how possible is it for the, the generation coming up oh. with TikTok brain to sit down for five minutes, let alone an hour? Well, I mean, how do- cool is the, the, honestly, my favorite thing about this weekend is none of us have been on our phone. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody on their phone. Except when you're arguing on Twitter. <laughs> that, that was after everybody went to bed. But really, we haven't had our phones in our hands, right? Not, like, much. not much. Not much at all. We've all been hanging out, doing what we've been doing. The, I, I don't think people realize how therapeutic cooking is. Man. Oh, yeah. Especially as a group. I cook most of the meals at my house. Me too. I, cook, yeah, I, cook, I, I would say out of the seven nights, probably five or six. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I cook up almost every night. It's my time. I to... love to cook. I <sighs> It's actually enjoyable. I enjoy it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, so why wouldn't I help with something I enjoy? You know, like it takes a lot. Yeah, I don't think you modernist. Yeah, I don't think cooking should ever have been. <laughs> well, Tim. All right, so Tim says like if you change diapers, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I change a lot of diapers too. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's a problem with that either. Yeah, I'm not for a box of show. If I don't do it out of like I do it because I can. Not I have to force me to. I mean, so I, it's interesting you say therapeutic. I thought it was too. I thought there. Must be something wrong with you that it felt good actually cooking for guys. Or even it's been the most exciting thing I've done this weekend is yeah, getting ready to cook. Yeah, why and why is it therapeutic? That's interesting because it was. You know, I'm always on the go so fast. I'm gonna pop a Murphy's pizza or something. And I think that's why. Like, I think it's the yeah. flow state. You know, when when you're focused on one thing, regardless of what it is, I can be therapeutic. I also it, believe that's where the health and food really comes from. Yeah. I believe that a handmade with your family cake is healthier than a steak you picked up in an in-and-out restaurant. Like we, know, well, we know it's physically healthier. but No, the why? cake, I think, is healthier. Yeah, 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 he's saying it's it, mentally and spiritually. Well, he's, he, I think he's saying something that's physically not as healthy for you. better for you. I think the spiritual health of doing something like that actually manifests itself physically. I, I think that. Yeah, there's something. there was something this weekend where... So, all right, so typically when we come up here, um, my brother-in-law is a chef. Okay, so I come up here typically with my wife and her sister and her, her husband. He's He was the head chef at like a five-star restaurant in wow. Stony Brook. Okay, so this guy, like when he cooks, it's you have no idea. Like we, we made steak yesterday. You guys made those tomahawks and stuff. When my brother-in-law Timmy comes up and cooks, he makes like an – he'll make an au jus from scratch. He'll make, like the things he makes, it's just – I'll sit there in awe watching it, but I don't typically participate. Where this weekend, because I was kind of the host this weekend, it was like, oh, no, no, I have to, like, I have to be involved here. I have to kind of prepare some things. Nicole made some things for me to bring yeah, up. But, I, but it really has been, it really has been fun to, with no women around, to have the responsibility of cooking and cleaning. It's a strange thing. I've never had to do it before. I'm usually weighted on hand and foot when I come up here. You know, but there was something therapeutic about hanging with my friends and just saying, all right, guys, Todd, cut the tomatoes. 
uh, Fawaz, you cut the burrata up. Like let's like let's prepare a meal together. I don't know. I I really enjoyed doing it today. The team effort. Yeah. 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 I think it's just part of the way we're wired, you know, to be connected to like the process of exactly. survival. Yeah. You know, cooking, farming, like it's all supposed to be with our, the work know, of our own hands. Yeah, we're supposed to be neighbors. doing it. Yeah. I think that it's like. Meanwhile, way, Joey's like, making popcorn. <laughs> Joey has been in bed all day. <laughs> I'm still recuperating. Wait, why did you get so hungover? You didn't even drink that much. I have no idea. It's I, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. He told me that the Guinness is. I think it was the smoking three. Four point two. We found out. That's low. Um, you would say, but TikTok brain, right? So, the idea that you say you spend an hour a day, I try to. I know, and I'm not saying it like that. Like, I don't know if I spend any significant amount of time a day in mental prayer. You know, like that is a very difficult thing for me. I'll do my rosary on my way into work. First off, Father, what? What is mental prayer? Yeah, so that's kind of the center of my YouTube channel, is teaching people how to do mental prayer. Um, it's meditating on the Gospels, or an icon, or a mystery of the faith. And it's a tr- any truth, right, of, of, of God? Probably any truth. What yeah. about a conversation with God? Yep, that's part of it. That's should start, generate that the meditation. Generate, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you usually start with? So they were they're asking me this. So it's. What you were talking about is like, I mean, I it, it takes years. I mean, it, I, like you start off, and the idea is like to just not let distractions enter your head, to not think about, which mm-hmm. is a job in itself. That's which right. is a job yeah. in itself. It's laborious and hard, but, but it's not the emptying of one. No, not emptying. Right. So, so that's like right now. I was talking about before, and I I've gone through different phases, and and all the saints. Like you can read so many different saints, and I really like the Desert Fathers. But like like Saint Teresa of Avila will tell you to pick, put yourself at like in whatever you're reading, or if you go in the Gospel, she'll tell you to put yourself in the scene. And this, but I'm not as like imaginative like that. Like, so what I will do is, let's say I'm reading something like, something like, let's say I'm reading about Jesus carrying the cross. So I will bring myself into the presence of God. First time, you know, I'm kneeling, I'm in my space with prayer. What do you have a room? I have a room. In my you have house. a room set up dedicated. Yeah. For it's you. the guest room in our house, but okay. I, we're, there's plenty of room on the side of it to put uh, an altar and a crucifix right. and holy candles and holy, holy water and all that. And um, so, if I'm reading that scene, when I begin, you have a set prayer, time each day you do it. It's usually around the same time every day, but it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's like 15 minutes. That's all I can get. You know, but just making sure you do that, I feel like God really honors that. I'm sure Father could attest to that. It's just giving whatever you have. Yeah. So to bring myself to the presence of God, I will actually whatever I read, like let's say out of a gospel, like Father was saying, I actually picture that Christ right in front of me. So. If it's him carrying the cross, I will actually picture him. Not that I am imagining the scene of the Romans and trying to do that, which is what I'm saying. I actually That's, just pretend Christ is right in front of me, bearing a cross on his shoulders. Is that Lexio Divina, though? Is it usually? It isn't because it's it's just to start me. I use scripture to start me. Sometimes if I'm reading enough spiritual reading material and it's like something I read is still in my head, I wouldn't even need to do that necessarily. I asked you this earlier. When you picture Christ carrying the cross, 
Whose face are you picturing? I need Jonathan Rumi. No, Kavitz Alive. Jonathan Rumi, Jesus, yeah, stop it. No, it's always, it's it's so always Jim Caviezel, Jesus, right? Yeah, isn't that one of the dangers? Crazy, of, right? But isn't that one of the dangers of having a depiction of Christ like that? It's terrible. I, I it's a danger of having. So, Why is it a danger? Okay, so we reviewed The Chosen last year. Last season. Yeah. And, well, I agree, that's a bad. Okay, no, no, no. It's not about the chosen being bad. It's not about that. It's about even the passion. What it does is it makes it so that you're like, really, you should just read the Gospels because when you see a physical depiction of Jesus, that you, it's almost like a stain that enters your mind that you can't. Well, I disagree with that. Yeah, you, just, need yeah. to, you need to be with Christ. But yeah. so I combat it by, I was telling them, focusing no longer on his facial part but like in that position i would be thinking about the bloody thorns and focusing on his hair and his beard trying to eliminate that part of it but you definitely want to i don't think there's imagine. any problem picturing jim yeah, no definitely yeah. oh, that, I'm, I'm not saying it's a problem i'm saying i personally that. hate it i don't like that i'm picturing some actor right that's all i'm saying like i'm saying it's a danger i'm not saying like it's it, for right. me i'm very visual yeah. i've struggled with like right. picking a passage from the bible and, and not being able to See it? Yeah, like so. For me, the the, the shroud is different elements of the like the sharing of the cross, the scourging of the pillar. Like when you watch when you watch the Passion and Jim Caviezel happens to be the actor. I mean, that's very like in my mind. Like I can, I can Jim like, Caviezel is I, I Jesus. Can, I can pic, I can picture that. But, but all that is like, a his face. face. It's not the yeah. scene. Yeah. I, I yeah. bothers me. Yeah, that's it's, why it's that face. So great, it does give you that. And I mean, there was. I mean, I think this was more than coincidence. He had the same. Initials at 33 yeah. years. I mean, there's some things that line up. Played an amazing not, Jesus. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that movie yeah, is work. almost like that a liturgical work. act when you watch it, right? So, yeah, it so is, but... when I watch that movie, it's almost as if we're, we're witnessing a liturgy in my home. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing as watching The Chosen. No, I'm not trying no, to compare no, the two. No, what I'm saying is, when you have, uh, when so even I, uh, I still love Jesus of Nazareth. The movie of Jesus of Nazareth. You see, I, that was oh, the face great. I used to see in my head. When right. I it's a great movie. Yeah. It's a great oh, movie. It is. Oh. It, <laughs> I know it portrays Jesus as hippie Jesus. Yeah, I understand that. Jesus Christ Superstar. Great. I understand that. I think it's great. But there but is still it. some amazing scenes in that movie. And the prodigal son scene in that movie. Oh, man. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So it, that's all I'm saying is it's a little dangerous. when I'm you, glad they got Ernest Borden on. I think a lot of people. I mean, you have you it. have uh, uh, Bilbo Baggins, please. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, Caiaphas. No, 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 no Caiaphas. He's not. He's not. Uh, uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, Bilbo, no, or Hobbit? Lord of the Rings, Bilbo. Okay. Yeah. Not Caiaphas. a young version of him. And then you have uh, the Bilbo guy who plays Judas. Wow. Does Judas amazing? In Jesus of Nazareth, the guy who plays Judas. I think they per- they do it perfectly because he's. Judas is so is so caught up in that movie. That, like you really have to understand what is Judas. So because John's gospel portrays Judas as just, like he's just wicked from the beginning, but I don't think that's what was going on with Judas. I think Judas was so caught up in Jesus being Messiah, and Jesus of Nazareth does a really good job of depicting mm-hmm. that. They like like uh, Judas wasn't just wicked from the beginning going to betray him. Judas temporal Messiah. Okay, so the Jews are expecting this temporal Messiah that's going to be yeah, like a political king. A political yeah, a new king. David, so yeah. Judas goes to uh, who, the Bilbo Baggins character and he's like, You have to meet with Jesus and install him as the king. But he doesn't understand that's not the yeah. way God's plan is. Yeah. So he wants, it's not that he betrays Jesus. 
for the sake of betraying him. He betrays him thinking he's giving them to the Sanhedrin so that they will install him as the king. What's funny is he wasn't even the zealot in the group. Right. You know, you would expect to, to want that. But they show him interacting with the zealots yeah, in, that, yeah, in, that, yeah. in that movie, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a straight, it's a, I like the way they depict Judas in that movie because they show him as just having a very temporal thinking. He wasn't thinking the way God thinks. He was thinking the way men think. Well, just he, like he was searching for an earthly utopia. An earthly, an earthly king. Not well, why, well, why would betraying him catalyze all that? Was his theory that turning Jesus over, he would finally turn into manifest. Superman? Yeah, manifest. Manifest. Yes. All his powers? Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't that he was betraying him because he was angry at Jesus uh -huh. or hated Jesus. He wanted, he wanted to, well, let's put our temporal king in. And it turns well, no, out. He couldn't have expected Kyvis. He knew he had to know of the death rites. He must have do, done that thinking this is what's going to turn him into Superman to blast yeah. him all the way. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. I'm just look, and I don't even know if that movie has it right. Right. I don't even know if that movie has it right, but I do like that it doesn't just portray Judas as bad from the start. Bad from the start. Yeah. Like Judas actually wasn't bad from the start. He actually starts off as like and in defense of John's gospel, though, I mean, he does follow a little bit of this down spiral. Like, you see, I think it's only in John's gospel that he starts stealing from the money bags. Yeah. Um, so you start to see the downward spiral that's, that's slow. And I think that's only in John's gospel. When's the moment in John's gospel? It's the yeah, bread of life discourse. That's, well, no. Because no, because Judas stays. It says all these disciples left, but it doesn't say any apostles left. I don't think that's what it was. no. But what I'm saying is, in in the John in John's gospel at the bread of life discourse, that was right before they entered Jerusalem, right? Judas. Oh. So Judas doesn't believe at, at the bread of life discourse, and John makes that pretty clear. I wish we had. And he is John six. John six. At the end of John six, you see Judas does not believe. Yeah. When does it, what does it say that that implies that? I can't Pull it up. Pull it up. John 6. It should be after. Because Read from 53. Read from John, John 6, 53. Uh, Dan Burke talks about Memphis Parasol. Right? So he says, I hear like pictures the way it smells. Like yeah, but that's Lexio Divina. No, it's no, First of all, Lexio Divina is mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying anything negative. Yeah, I'm, saying. No, I'm just saying. So I'll, I'll tell you this. Like, I have a better, I am better at mental prayer than I am at repetitive prayer. So we were talking about the rosary before. I have a very hard time meditating during the rosary. So during the rosary, uh, it's, yeah, okay. Well, hold on, we'll get to that in a sec. But during during the rosary, instead of trying to meditate on the mysteries, I more just try to have develop a relationship with Our Lady. But for mental prayer, when I meditate on some of the mysteries of the Catholic faith, I I do well with that. Yeah, well, that's what I do in mental prayer too. I but I just to be in the presence of God. I find that if you're Starting with some material like like a gospel or something like that. So now you have you have Christ on his on with the cross on his back. Now that's the image that I know that Christ is is right before me with. Like I, I see him here. I'm not, I'm not I'm not reliving the scene. That's Lexio Divina. That's Lexio Divina. But I'm but that's what I read. So that's what I'm. That's the picture of Christ I'm putting right before yeah. me. Plus and that's gonna that's gonna spark like the well, you know, let's say my wife's going through something. Like I was saying, Lord, how can I help? Bear the the burdens on my wife's back. Well, maybe I'm going through something, Lord. Like like that image of seeing Christ right before you is going to spark a conversation. Yeah, you know, or like I said, the uh, like on the Sermon on the Mount. Well, now I will picture myself on a 
he's on a mountain and I'm like right here or or I'm John and I was sharing this with them like these ones like if it's the John uh um where he's on the breast so I'll picture myself talking to Christ while I'm on his breast or maybe I'm reading the Martha Mary scene I'm so you try to use I can't use it like 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 Teresa of Abel would say, like what you're saying with the smell. And they're like, I can't do all that, but I just want to put Christ physically in front of me. So I do that. And then it just like flows. I mean, it just, when you think Christ is right in front of you, something happens, you know, like when we're talking mental prayer, are we talking both meditation and contemplation? Well, what I love about hearing Eddie explain this is it's kind of making me realize. Yeah. Again, I mean, I, I, I realized it before is when you're doing it, everyone kind of picks up their own way. So he's a really interesting hybrid version. Absolutely. Uh, he won't like see. Here's he, he's pretty much the Ignatian Teresian Teresian view. But here's what's different is I've never heard him do it this way. But Which I've never read it. Ignatius is the only one whose prayer I don't know the method. I've never well, read Ignatius. Kind of doing uh, it. I mean, what's amazing about your method is you're only you're actually doing the imaginative way of prayer minus all the other scene right. scenery behind it. So the taste, the smells, all that stuff. Like Ignatian is you're putting yourself in the scene of the gospel. That's Avila too. You're trying to yeah. He's pretty close to that, but it's it's sort of a like the, the Eastern Desert Father Way is a little drier. Which I, I love that too. The Desert Father Way is take this and extrapolate the truth of this scripture. Right. See the scripture, right. find the truths that which I love that too. And you're kind of doing the hybrid of right, right. It's not it's not super creative on the scene, right? But there's something physical of the to scene. To bring Christ there. And then and then but you also have like the the silence that the Desert Fathers have that you're putting you're putting the silence ahead of the conversation, sure. you know, which which also Ignatius and, and Teresa would do. But there's a really interesting hybrid method of the the apophatic and the cataphatic method. And I think well, I've tried both, yeah, independently. And when I do that, I I find that it's I'll hear God talking more than I would just hear normally myself and sitting there. So and see, I think the key that you said. I mean, there's a lot of people that are intimidated by mental prayer because they feel they have to follow one of the two ways, and they don't fit into either of the two ways, you basically found a method that's specific to how your brain, your heart, your soul works. It's kind of a hybrid of the two. The key is that you put in that 60 minutes or 30 minutes. That's what it is for anybody. That's all it is for anybody. It's just putting the time. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's that's the hard thing in mental prayer is there's so many temptations that get thrown us. And sometimes these are temptations not to do evil, but even to do good things ahead of you. But when you just turn your phone off, and you put in 15 or 30 or 60 minutes, something will happen. Something it doesn't right. mean you're a mystic. It doesn't mean you're a great person. It just means God loves you that much because you're baptized and you're redeemed and he loves all of us. And so when you just give the time, God you know, rewards it. It's just another thing to share that's interesting, and I just found it so interesting. Todd was sharing with me when he first started with his mental prayer, almost like a mystical experience he had right in the beginning. Yeah, And he had no method or anything, and he could describe it. But and that's something that happened to me too. It only happened to me once in my entire life, but it's just amazing how like yeah. God will give you something to let you know like this is what lies ahead. All my semi-mystical experiences happened at the very right beginning. Right to begin. Yeah. You don't yeah. get it back. I it's, anything cool. I know. It's also just I the thing with the faith. Well, when you get into the faith, there's a, there's the constellation. The yeah. There's two mystical experiences, I would say. Todd, you should come in this way so you can see. Oh, man. Yep, oh, man. There's two times I would say I've had mystical 
mystical like experiences. It's mystical. It's not mystical. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say it because no, I don't want to, but there's two times. One was when we met Rob. Very early. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, one was reading the uh, John one. <laughs> reading John oh. one. Actually reading it. And when I read the word became flesh, it was as if the words actually came off the page. Mm. It was such a strange thing for me. I've never it's had it happen. It, bro. <laughs> it was a very, it would seem like that when I read it. It seemed like the words came and became alive to me. That was one time. And another time mm. was when I was meditating on the church as the bride of Christ and the church as the body of Christ and really trying to grasp what it what the body of christ is and it's like the church it's the eucharist and 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 it was such a a strange thing for me to even put into words but i saw us as actually being christ in the world and that really understanding god Mm -hmm. as father and us as children of god and that what it means to be a baptized christian means you are a child of god and that something more is expected of you because you are supposed to be this child of the most high god that is in and of the world but other people don't see it but we're supposed to be it intellectually speaking what is it about typology that just when it connects it's like a mystical the same thing that happens it's It's the same thing that happened when i say the words came off this page when 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 i hear a typological fulfillment it's as if it lights my heart up okay so 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 it's not just that though okay so there's a few times where i feel truly alive and it's when i'm podcasting with me it is though, and in some ways, when I'm de- when I'm describing something typological, it's as if like my heart oh, is alive during you, those. You times. light up like the light bulb, oh, right? Man, so, when, so when we did when we did the when we did the uh, the Danielic mystery show, there was so, I never felt more alive when I was trying to like explain to people like no 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 okay so this is what happens in the Old Testament and this is how it's fulfilled something lights up in me, and he was sitting there he's like. Man, you're really like, but and I can't describe what it feels like, except that it's the only time I feel truly alive is when I'm talking about God to other people. Mm. So if you really want to know why I do podcasting, it's because it actually makes me feel alive. It's a weird thing. Like, it's not, it's not, has nothing to do with we want to be famous. We want to make money. We want to No, it's about when I'm talking to people about God. Something in my heart makes me feel I alive. It's obvious. Like I feel alive when I'm when I'm talking to people about God. Same with music, bro. I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, See, it, typological New York City construction worker. Yeah. Something <laughs> about it, man. <laughs> if I, but even at work, I'll talk to the men at work about it. So, like, even Joe Joe uh, uh, B, right? So Joe B, I work with him, and he's such a good kid, man. He's a legit good kid. And when I talk to him, I'm always trying to say to him, like, you now have a wife and you have a kid. Joe, you have a responsibility as a dad now. Like, this isn't nothing. You have everything. It's everything. It's the most important thing you're about to embark on. So I always try to lead the younger guys that I work with towards something. The thing with our generation is nobody thinks about God at all. Nobody so, thinks. Yeah. 
No one even, just in general. Not even a thought <laughs> in their head. They just are on autopilot. They go through life. They have no thought of God or the afterlife at all. So a couple of guys that I work with, I'll just ask them like a certain question, like let's just say, okay, well, when you stand before God and you die, what are you gonna? And, and he accuses you of this, or if what are you gonna say to him that you did for him while you were here? Mm-hmm. And then if you see them like caught off guard because they've never put any thought into this ever, all, ever. And then they're like kind of sitting there like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question to ask him. You know what I mean? And then, but the, the, but the guys that now have young kids. So we work with a guy who was, uh, had like a second girlfriend in another country. And I talked to him about, I'm like, what? What's going on, man? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, life's life's too good. <laughs> All right, kind of listen, you know who I'm edit, talking about now. Edit 47, 47 minutes. 30. You know who you I'm talking, talking Mario? about, now, right? <laughs> Mario, Mario, Mario. Mario. Oh, Mario. Oh, he's a anyway, Mario. he's got uh, he's got a, a young wife, three young kids. He went back for uh, his father's funeral back in his country, and while he was at the funeral he met a young girl. So now, now he comes back and he's still like talking to this girl back in his old country. And I talked to this guy and I'm like, what do you like? What? Like he was bragging about it to me. And I just looked at him like, bro, you're married. You have kids. Like, what are you bragging to me about right now? And finally, like he was bragging to the other guys at work and the other guys were like, oh, yeah, 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 like amping him up. And when he talked to me about it, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you just lost your dad. What if you found out this was your dad was doing this? Yeah. yeah. What would you think of your father right now? You just lost your dad. This broke your heart. What if you found out he had another family? Like, what are you thinking right now? And he, and he broke down to me and said to me, Anthony, I got to tell you, I used to wake up every morning and I would pray every morning. He would, you know, say a quick prayer every morning. Since he started doing that thing with this girl, it was almost like he just had so much shame he couldn't even face God and he stopped praying. Mm. So this went on for like two months. He couldn't wait to tell me when he broke it off. When he broke it off, he was like, I broke it off with her. And and like he was so excited to tell me that he broke it off. And I'm like, okay. And now he's not Catholic. Yeah. So now it's time to draw me to the guy. It's like, dude, you gotta go to confession. <laughs> like, come on, let's go to confession. I'd like to point out something that I like about what both of you guys what both you guys did. So you guys are both New York City construction workers. This is really interesting evangelization because you challenge someone on their salvation. What are you going to do when you go before God? You brought in his dead father. I'm all for the method of saying, don't you know how much God loves you? That's fine. That's, that's good. That's that type of stuff works. But we, many people have heard so fast. It's in one ear, out the other. To get them to think, what is it going to be like when I'm before God? For you to say, what about your dead father? What would you... What would you do if you? Yeah, what would you think of him? Family? I think we need to expand the definition of evangelization to be. Actually, this is the classic Catholic definition. Anytime you're bringing someone to think of the last four things, to think of Christ, to think of redemption, it doesn't just have to be. Jesus died for you. He loves you. That's and so that's Protestant. A, it's, it's a little that way of thinking yeah. is so Protestant. Right? It's fine. It's fine. Have you given your life to Jesus? All that matters. I want to say this. It's it's fine if Catholics use. Have you given your life to you? That's that's a fine aspect of evangelization, but it's not the only one. Correct. Sometimes entry level evangelization has to sound like you putting the fear of hell somewhat in someone. Sometimes it has to sound like putting the fear of being a non-interval man in, in him, right? So it's fine if you want to say, Don't you know Jesus loved you and he died for you? That's totally that's the pinnacle of our faith. 
I don't think I've ever mentioned Jesus when I evangelize. And 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 I, and I know that sounds bad, but for some reason, when people hear you but say the name, of, yes, uh, yeah, 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 but that's not you ever initial, my initial, initial approach. Right. Never is Jesus is my initial right. approach because what people will go, oh, he's a Jesus freak. So I never use Jesus as my initial approach. Right. If anything, I use philosophy or I'll use some abstract idea to get them to think deep. Look, me and him are in, yeah. yeah, me and him are in like a unique position where we're around a lot of men. Right. And these are guys that are typically whistling at girls on the street. So we have a unique opportunity. So you guys have a very different career and jump. But even Rob We're had like the savages. Yes. But that's sometimes <laughs> no the offense. best. No offense, buddies. But that's, <laughs> but that's sometimes the best place to evangelize. Right. So I, I almost never use Jesus or have you given, I will never say, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? That's, like just, Mario, that's a lexicon I've never known. But a later stage from our, you're going to bring A hundred percent. But my initial hook is never that. It's always yeah. trying to get somebody to think a little deep. Uh, lately, I was talking to, um, I won't say their names because, but. Uh, uh, oh, man. Luigi, we got Mario. We just nah, well, we can say Aunt D and. Uh, yeah. And uh, your friend, uh, your friend, Dom. Luigi, your friend, Dom. Uh, Mario so Luigi. talking to them, just talking about the world and seeing how the world. And I gave, I, sh- I gave them both my talk that I gave in, at the conference. And the whole point was um, look at how everything's collapsing around us. You see how everything, because everybody can sense the transgender movement is so off. I don't care if you if you have a relationship with God or not. You can see that thing is so off right. that it's such a disordered thing that most people are looking at it. Whether you you could be an atheist and you're just like, what is going on with this gender stuff? And you can really use that as the way to show, just show people: look, when you lose your identity in God as a son or daughter of God, you lose your identity completely to the point where you don't know your gender identity anymore. Like everything we talk about now is a discussion on identity. And it's because people don't remember you're a son or a daughter of the king. Is is this a form of mental prayer? Like I, there are sometimes when I'm praying and I'll sit down and I'll meditate on the situation that I'm in. And then I try to think about how Jesus, if he was here today, thousand percent. The only the only thing that you, I don't know if you already are doing this. The only thing I think is key, and a lot of the saints will talk about this, is when you're doing those things to actually allocate and sanctify a time for it. So it's one thing to do it like just driving in the car, and there's yeah. so much value in that. And when the more mental prayer you do, I, I think you would agree, you become contemplative throughout the day more. That's right. Yeah. The goal is to foment for, thinking right. of that all day. But you yeah. need you that to time have. to dedicate and. and our bodies are so important to it. Your posture matters. The holy candles lit matters. Where you are. So dedicating that time to do what you're talking about before a crucifix, completely alone, completely no nothing around you. That's well, the I also only key. Like, try to mortify myself where even if I'm in public and I see a statue of my lady. I just get down on my knees. Awesome. Even if I'm Which is there. awesome. But that but mental prayer ones. would just yeah. be the, the private of it, right? I mean, it's the it's the it's taking the time to go somewhere in private. It, it, should, it should be the same place for you even yeah. each day. Whether it's in a church, that's great. Or or someplace a, at home. I rarely quote the new catechism, but there's a good line in the new catechism. He cannot pray at all times who does not 
have specific times to play. Right. Mm, and that's yeah. that's a good line to show that you gotta have that 15 minutes, that foment, that's like the, the eleven for the rest of your day. And sure. then you you isolate those 15 minutes in the morning, and then that can percolate through the whole rest of the day for what you end up thinking. Oh, and I can only do it at night. So for me, the sure. night will percolate the next day or whatever. That's it right. is. But whatever works for you, but some people at one point it was my lunch. You know, <laughs> yeah. that was uh, what Anthony was talking about. Hooking them with something. I mean, that's that's gospel because that's what Christ approached the women at the well. You're right. Yeah. He, exactly he, he approached her about her first, then he introduced himself. Mm-hmm. But she actually found out who he was just by his, his presence. But we have a friend at our parish. I think just just the idea of sitting around with guys drinking and not talking much, just just natural virtue and how much we love and respect our wives, which is contrary to what men talk about mm-hmm. in a locker right. room. That alone, I think, could bring people in. That's the hook right there. We have this guy at our parish who went literally from from uh, Marxism, atheism, to traditional Catholicism within a year. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, the entry point was what? Well, he would say his entry point was that he, he was just sick and tired of his drug-filled life. And didn't know where to go first. But yeah. after he read the gospel, he's just like, this is it. But before the gospel, he was just hanging out with these guys. <laughs> no, so he came in... <laughs> What happened was he was going to RCIA Novus Order Church. Okay. A friend of his said, "Just come to the TLM one time." Who goes to our parish? So he oh. came to our parish. Who was hooked? One time, just one time. Wait, how do you know him? FSSB. He comes to our parish, and then and then we invited over to the men's group one time. One time. Yeah. Went back to his wife's like, "This is it. I found it." Awesome. And we we were talking about Christ. Woman at the well is what you're talking about. Christ didn't. Hook her with himself at first. He talked to her first on yeah. her level. Yeah. And that was brilliant. Yeah, they talked about thirst, the well. And then I think Fulton Sheen makes this point. It's kind of funny. The two things people don't talk about in polite conversation is sex and religion. And as soon as he brings up she's had five husbands, and the one she's with now isn't her husband, then she switches to the one topic slightly less intense than sex, which is religion. That's when she switched to the Samaritan Jew topic. Right? <laughs> oh, go ahead, finish. I want to say something about sex and religion when you're done. Well, it, it's funny that when when he brings up the fact she's had five hundred when he, when he realize, not realize, when he prophesies, that's not the right word, and Christ explains the truth to her that she doesn't know any man can possibly know who she's never met, she immediately changes the topic to religion. But up to that point, it's actually not religion. Right? It's about the well, it's about his thirst, it's about um, you know, but but it's not. And then the amazing thing is, she has a true conversion. And the first time in John's Gospel, in the Greek, it's soter kosmos. It's really beautiful. The Savior of the world. She goes to her whole town. She's so converted. She goes to her whole town and says, "Let me tell you, a man that told me everything, everything about myself. which was only like five husbands." Like this, right? But do you know those five husbands? Oh, she oh, goes, but it's the first time in the Gospels where you see the word salvatrimony. She's the first to go evangelize that he is the savior of the world. And it was the Samaritans. Do you realize what an incredible To the Samaritans. To the Samaritans. Um, and she's just fearless. But but the entry level was not religion. It was just the aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And it was so the, the place where there was no miracles, ironically. It was the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. But the Samaritans are... Okay, so you have to understand who the Samaritans are. I know, Scott, and I heard the talk. <laughs> so the Samaritans, <laughs> the Samaritans are basically heretics. They have the five books of Moses. They're half breeds too. 
They have right. the five books of Moses, but they mix in these other gods. They don't just mix in other gods. They mix in five other gods. So when he oh. talks to her about her five husbands, those five husbands are those five gods. The people of Samaria. Can but wait a minute. She hasn't had five husbands, though? No, she has. Yeah. She has both. But there's okay. something okay. symbolic it's about typology. it. It's typology. Yeah. So it's 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 not that, that didn't, she didn't have five. She did have five, five husbands. There's both literal It's answers. both end. Yes. You have to understand. People... Yeah. yeah, that's how the scriptures work, right? So it's not she well, did have five thousand universe. But, but at the same time, we're in a different situation now that that Jesus's time, because back then they did believe in God or mm. God. At least that, yeah, they weren't naturalists. They, they were not atheists. Like God, who he doesn't exist. You know, they're, they're only Christianity could have bore that scenario. By the way, yeah. Well, it's. It, Do you know why? Because before. Christianity, the world was these gods were so violent and and the world was so crazy that nobody would dare to think there was no God. But because God's spirit tamed the earth the way it did and subdued the earth, like God's spirit subdued the earth, that people now have the convenience of going, yeah, there's no God. Christianity is the only religion that could have bore an atheist culture. But beyond that, the idea that we we can't talk politics or religion at the dinner table i challenge that every chance i get you know every <laughs> every time i'm at a dinner table i bring up politics and religion but i said i said here's my point here's my take on it the reason we're in the mess we're in today is because everybody's too afraid to bring up politics or religion so we went through a phase where everybody was just oh, well, let's just not fight this is not no. I'm fighting with you. We're going to talk politics and religion. Can we all just get along? No, we cannot get along. Is it, is it, is it more of a, 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 a long stick or a response yeah. to affirmation? Yes, atheism is the natural end of Protestantism. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Like, like you know, the Christ, natural end of Christian. There weren't too many atheists. Yeah. You're not really. You got to realize once you challenge, you just made life comfortable. And when life's like they say, God is is creating an act of mercy when He punishes us. Because then we come back to him. When things are going good, you you don't need God. You don't think about God. Things are going yeah. good. You have all this stuff. So when crap hits the fan, all, all of a sudden you need God. Yeah. We made life comfortable because we we and by we I mean America or culture because we lost the meaning of redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. If suffering is bad, which it is, it is, it is. But when you when you lose the ability to redeem your suffering. You have to make it comfortable. I think suffering, as, as Catholics, is looked at it, it's good. I think, I think it from, is. A, from a Protestant worldview, suffering is looking at it as bad. It's a punishment. So I think, Where, it's, it's, I think yeah, if you're in a Protestant worldview, suffering is a punishment from God. From a Catholic yeah, worldview, on the way here, I, I was listening to the Uniformity of God's Will, St. Alphonsus Liguori, yeah. like one of my favorite books. Yeah, book. You know, like all suffering, are, it's God's will, and it, He's trying to sanctify us. You know, so there's a lot of most the good in, in life comes through suffering. You know, without it, there'd be no, there'd be no sanctification. There'd be no. We all say no, we understand that. We all I say think, we all offer that, it up, but like, like when you get to the well, next level, yeah, I don't know, spiritual life. Well, that's I when you accept life. that that suffering. Right? So I don't know if you struggle, guys struggle with this feeling, but I feel like it's so true. And I sometimes I'm like, that's one of my like defects with God. I fear like He's gonna crush me. Like I'm not gonna be able to bear mm, what he's yeah, like, like you're afraid to go all in. So afraid to add yeah. I can never oh, ask yeah. for more like I'm just afraid it's I'm not gonna be able to. Yeah, can I tell you what the danger is in asking for suffering though? You'll get it. 
you'll get it. Because yeah. I asked God, I said, God, give me some suffering. And I started getting those cluster headaches. Yeah. And I cannot tell you. He'll give them to you. He'll oh, give yeah. them to you. It's a dangerous thing to ask God. Well, for for my like, I'm trying, just try and accept what's happening to me because I'm, I admit to God that I, I'm, I'm asking. For you'll it. get it. You'll you don't it. need to ask for it. That's why I'm asking for a lot of suffering because it's, the, it's terrifying to think of some of the things that the saints have gone through or the people. Look at Jeremiah. Like, like imagine like that suffering. Like right. Job. Well, look at look at my look, mom. Like, look at a child dying. Like, imagine yeah. your child. Oh, like, please! I can't even. That's what I'm saying, though. I, it's like, but well, look at my mom. Right, my mom deals with a lot of physical pain. And yeah, it's physical pain. Like, oh, so much physical pain. My mom. She can barely walk. That poor woman. But she's always going to like healing things. Mm-hmm. And I think Joey and I both have tried to talk to her about it. Like, mom, I'm sorry, but God chose you. Like God chose you she, to be a sufferer. Nah, yeah, she offered. Yeah, I don't know, Mom. You want your children to convert. Your suffering that you've gone through has led to so far five of your children converting. Right. So do you want the other four to convert? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you, Mom. You offered it. You re- she really did, though. Go back to what well, we, we, we should offer. Yeah, Jesus take it off of them. I know. That's right. I, she's in so much pain. Well, Victor was saying that she kind of kind of great because I remember one time Father Philip Wolf. Um, was talking about a single host and receiving our Lord one time is enough to make you a saint. Yeah, yes. yeah. the defect yeah. is not in our Lord. He says, us. "Just you suffer, just you complaining about the weather outside on the way to mass." So true. Would put you in a disposition to where you're not accepting so of God's uniformity. So yeah, if we really knew what was going on there, yeah. one mass would be enough to save the whole. Absolutely. World. But you're Absolutely. right. Like the little things we fail in, we don't we don't offer those up. We can yeah. offer the big things up, but like the weather sucks. Yeah, we'll complain about that. We don't I mean, it does suck, suck that it's raining out, God. Well, Father, yeah. Father, Father, I love all. <laughs> we should be out by the fire, Lord. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you knew from the beginning of time it was going to wait today. It's yeah. so true. It's just That's so, so true. weird to think of like that. Father Wolf also said, uh, "When you think about suffering, think about a a, a piece of marble." And I love this. I've heard a that. Sculptor uh, yeah. Who's going to, all you see is a block of marble. But this sculptor sees the beautiful piece of marble mm. that he's going to make. And he says, just imagine if that piece of marble could feel yeah. every blow yeah. that's going to the, to the rock. It's beautiful. Think man. about the noises and the complaints that the, the, the marble would make. And he said, that's the exact it's thing. It's a good thing I never complained about anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's doing to us with our suffering. He's. Yeah. Molding us into the saint that he wants us to be. You're, you know? you're my hammer and chisel. <laughs> do, uh, <laughs> do any of you ever like think that God has something very special planned for you? No, I think He does for everybody. I, I really think that God has something very special planned for me, and I don't say that in arrogance. I really do think that God has something very important He wants me to do, and I think He has something very special He wants me to do, and I don't know what it is yet. I'm constantly asking him, what is it that he has planned for? But I really do think God has something very special well, and important for me. It might be. Yeah, but I don't know what it is yet. But I, I know God loves me, like, from all eternity. And I know he, he chose. He, I mean, why do you think he enlightened you to believe the gospel? Yeah, that really does that's contrary, you have to really think about that's contrary to, to Catholic teaching, though, because... We're supposed to believe that we are nothing. No, it's, it's not, not contrary us to doing it, but it's, it's God not. Yeah, I didn't say I'm going no, I, I would say you can have both. You can believe yeah, that and, yeah. and believe. Here's the point. Why do you think you, of all people, why do you believe the story and not 
the atheist that like why you not interesting yeah really like why why do you you have to realize how few people believe the story every single one of us that believed the story god did something in your heart because he has something very important planned for you that goes for every single person who actually believes the gospel you are a child of god god has something very important for you to do according to chesterton the most extraordinary thing a man, somebody could do is an ordinary man, an ordinary wife, an ordinary children, yeah, yeah. an ordinary thing. I was just going to say that. That's, just doing that my special. duties at that—that uh, that is to me the, the, the biggest. Especially nowadays. Well, well, especially, especially now. Especially so contrary, now. Yeah. Well, our parish priest talked specifically to the women of the parish, and he said, "Look, you're doing every corporal and spiritual work of mercy." In your home with your children. Just you're clothing them, you're catechizing them, you're helping the hungry. You're but I really think that, okay, I, I'm going to be honest. I think yeah. I think this group of men here, uh, I think that all of us are called to try to teach men something. I just do. I, I don't know if that's arrogant. I don't know if I'm being pompous. I really feel like God wants the people that he's put in my life in the past couple of years to do something to teach this generation that has no hope. The TikTok brain. Like, I really think he's calling us to something special. But it's him working. Of course. It's not me. Of course. But it's, I think he's asking something of us. I don't think, I don't think this, I don't think this conversation is meaningless. I always say in my prayers, I pray that eliminate me. Just you use my body and just work. Because, like, I just... We got to get out of that job now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get... You know, I just feel like I'm so... I have such evil tendencies that I just... And I, uh, I don't think you have such evil I hear the saints say it, too. I am nothing. Make me little and make you big. It's like Ignatius's... Uh, what? Suspiche? Yeah. Surrender, yeah, I surrender all my will, my yeah, soul, everything. You surrender your whole being. Are you though? I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not. not. <laughs> oh my god! Well, Maybe this much completely surrendered would be. Yeah, I'm everything. 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 Yeah, i to detach from her, I think I have. I think I pray God doesn't teach me a lesson of detachment from her because yeah. she would be like. I think I. My grandma got lesson. I know, and I please God don't please yeah. God don't do that to me. Well, that was exactly what my point was. The fear of like, it's easy to say you know put anything on me and I do it, but I like no, I'm just afraid of being crushed by these certain. Yeah, things. Some, that, not so much you, but like something. That yeah. suffering being your like we yeah. talk. Everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, it could be the end times." This well, I mean, like the thought of my daughter being taken away oh, from my please, house. That's what I'm saying. And, 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 yeah, like, like I'm not ready for that. I don't, no. I don't think. I don't think. I don't yeah, think. Father, who was the martyr? You you read about. You told us what yesterday. Who's watched their infant? Oh, Julita, yeah, she watched her her infant smashed to death by one of the Roman soldiers, oh, and then they said, "We'll spare you this." If you just renounce Christ, and she said, and the baby was baptized, and she said, 
No, I'm looking forward to being with him in a minute. Uh, I'll be right back with you. Clap back. That's like, that's like, uh, could you imagine <laughs> having that? Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> having <laughs> that? Much faith? Faith? <laughs> wait, wait. Could you imagine having that much faith? Well, I'd like to talk about an email I got today. Someone said, "Quote me, say John of the Cross on detachment," and he said, "How do I live this as a husband and a father?" and Usually, I have to hammer out really long emails to get back all the different permutations and contingencies of life. But my brain worked through right I was actually cooperating with Chris. I just gave a real simple sentence back that I look back on it was actually very, very accurate. This doesn't happen a lot. It was very accurate. And I just said, because again, let me, let me repeat this. He was wondering how he can live detachment of St. John the Cross as a married man. And this is our. Who, who, who is this? It was just one of the people who has my email. Oh, okay. One of, okay, listeners, okay. One of my readers. I won't say his name. No, yeah, and yeah. so I wrote back and I just said, the goal isn't to refrain from enjoying nothing in life. It's to not need to enjoy any of those things in life. Let me just say, it, it, this is like the same thing. One of the most profound things St. John the Cross ever said, seek pleasure in nothing and God, and God will give you pleasure in all things. So mm. There you go. That's the same exact basis. Yeah. Um, that, that's a little more ethereal and, and out there. I mean, I think it's absolutely accurate. It's obviously better said by him than me, but, but I, but, but still your average guy, I mean, look, we got all that. We have cookies, popcorn. Okay. I'm not going to enjoy the alcohol. So God's just going to like infuse it into my belly. Yeah, like, no, you know yeah, that, right? Yeah. But I think the key to attachment is that no, 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 what an amazing I'm not even kidding. What an amazing point. Because we could all say, well, seek no pleasure. And it's like we got some cookies here, dude. I don't need the beer, but you know I'm not saying that we're not doing it. Oh no, no, I know. I just thought there's a way to have both. When when you this is the Desert Fathers. When do you break your fast? When you have a guest in charity. No, no, not that. When the guest comes in charity, you never continue your fast. Yeah. yeah. When when you go to a guest house and there's no meat on Fridays and they put meat in front of you, the yeah, Desert yeah. Father so, says you eat the meat. You want to know what's the same so thing with the I was about to have Father Isaac over for dinner and it was on a Thursday night. Oh, it was a Wednesday night. He was coming over for dinner and we were going to do a show on a Wednesday night. And I called Eddie and I'm like, do you, do you think he's not going to? He goes, Anthony, whatever you put in front of him, he's going to eat. That's. But that's how that's what St. Yeah. John the Cross's point is. You don't have to seek it. First off, God will give you pleasure in all things, and then he will use this stuff as the way he intended. Uh, St. John the Cross said he would be invited, like Father, to this. Father isn't, by him denying it, he isn't doing something holier in, in St. John the Cross's mind. That is exactly what St. John the Cross is talking about. You didn't go to the liquor store and buy a bottle. You came to a men's retreat, and now this is where it has been. And this here. is what we offered. This, so you're going to just be a man and, exactly. and hang out. That's what St. John Cross was talking about. But it, like, if you're just talking about no pleasure at all, that's like the Buddhist month. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's, that's why Catholicism is good. We do have feast days exactly. so that yeah. we can enjoy the things that God put on earth for us, but we also. In moderation. In moderation. Yeah. One, and and St. John also, Cross is like the extreme. It's like you're wanting to reach the unitive way. It's like, you know, he's saying, yeah, I would never go seek out to. To attain it myself, but 
It's good. God's going to send it to you. And it's also, if you only seek God's will in your life, no matter what happens to you, you will say it's God's will and you'll accept it, right? Uh, but that's easier said than done. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's way do easier yeah. said no, than done. Oh, yeah. It's almost like a platitude. It's like, well, I'll accept God's will no matter I what. I buy ice cream every week. I mean, I go to the ice cream. St. Celeste, well, Chrissy is coming up soon. She was eating ice cream. And one of the sisters was like, how could you be eating that? You're supposed to be offering it yourself. Like, and she goes, I'm offering up my ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was a saint. It's just a lot of these things are like those sayings that the saints say, and you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. But they're so different when they hit you, you know? Absolutely. We was, I was saying last night that God, I know God, so I have a very specific intention I've been praying for a lot lately. Uh, we, you know, and I know God will answer it. It just isn't going to, he's not going to answer it the way I think he's going to answer it. And that's scary sometimes because let's say it's for the conversion of somebody very specific. That could lead to that person's being on their deathbed. They might it, on their deathbed. On their deathbed, yeah. you know? So it's it's a scary thing sometimes to ask for God's intervention because he's not going to do it. Every time God answers a prayer in my life, it's almost that it ends up me being on my knees begging it's just always the way it goes. So that's one, where he wants A hundred percent. But when it was my marriage, my marriage almost fell apart. When it was an addiction thing, it was, it's just, he always, look, God saves us through suffering. And that's a scary thing. So when you're praying for someone's conversion specifically, that's a scary thing sometimes. Because it could mean that person is on their deathbed. So my, my dad was out of my life for a long time, mostly due to my part. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so, but okay. Well, anyways, so he was out of my life for probably 15 years. And he had always had poor health. He had MS. And it was it was deteriorating. It was to the point he had to go to a a nursing home, right? A care center. So we moved him, we moved him up by us. And um, you know, I, I started visiting him every day. And I made sure we started to pray every day with you know with my my sons for his conversion and his health did did deteriorate really fast. Yeah. And he got a septic shock and ended up, um, ended up passing away about two months after we put him in the care center and moved him up. And it wasn't a surprise. It it was a surprise. He had lived 15 years. Um, you know, after we kind of fell out, it was a grace, but, um, but you know, he and he, he after he, he left my life, he he never he never went to church. But um, I did get him last rites, and he he wasn't able to confess due to where he was mentally, you know, in his capacity at the time. But he got last rites, not just he, that. Tell him those. Tell him what happened with when you asked for the apostolic part. Well, so the I want to hear Father's take on this. The priest that was available nearby at the time, he was our usual priest was on medical leave. So we had a, a retired priest um, filling in. So I asked him to come for last rites and he, he came and um, after the last, after, you know, beforehand, I specifically requested the apostolic, pardon the apostolic uh, benediction. And he said no. He said he couldn't do it. He didn't give any reason why. Why couldn't he do it? I, I don't know. He didn't say why. Didn't you find that on air when you guys revived something that your dad had passed? Yeah. You find out. I remember that. Yeah. But uh, 
So my dad didn't get the apostolic pardon. I I tried a few the other priests. priests said he didn't have the authority. No, did, did you and I text about this? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, any priest in good standing has the ability to do apostolic pardon for anybody dying. I would go a step further than that and say because of the global crisis in the church, any priest in good standing or not, due to supply jurisdiction, has it. Was he in good standing? The the I would assume I mean the diocese put him yeah, in so our prayer he's part of the diocese. I mean again I think any priest even not good standing, but by an affidavit argument, of course any priest in good standing has a good. What a lot of times when priests refuse to do things, it's simply their lack of faith. That's not me judging. That's just knowing that when you really look through all these lies, and one of the lies was he didn't have the ability to do it. When you see through all these lies, there's really only one possibility, and it's a lack of supernatural faith. Yeah. Because here's here's the thing that's at the at the core. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Really, at the core of every priest's heresy, I'm not saying every priest is a heretic. Ninety-eight percent of them are. But it's the crazy. Core of, He's it's right. crazy. I mean, at, at the core of everyone's heresy, those ninety-eight percent of priests, is they really, really believe everyone's saved. Now they might say this person's salvation is in danger, or this group's of religion salvation is in danger. Really, at the end of the day, if you hear a priest do any sermon for any suicide, if they were asked to do a mass for a Hindu who died, they will come up with a practical. Maybe, maybe theoretically, they kind of hold this notion that you're only saved by the blood of Jesus. But practically, at the end of the day, 98% of all American priests believe everybody's saved. If you believe that, why do the apostolic part? Yeah. It's, if you do, if you believe purgatory is an invention of the Middle Ages, <laughs> and and you brought him extreme unction, why do the episodic pardon if everybody if everyone's going to skip purgatory? Because that's that's just an I've seen this. I've heard this happen before. I would not be surprised one bit if Saint Pio showed up and gave it to him. And we don't know. I love he, Pio. He's done it so many times. I, I can love tell you Pio. stories. Hmm. Did he, uh, I missed this. Did he receive any rights? Or he got his last rights, but he didn't get the apostolic pardon. Oh, and it was one of those things where the priest was like, well, I didn't have enough pockets. For that. So, meanwhile, he's wearing cargo pants. Oh, he had a that was the joke. Wait, wait, wait. That was the joke. Wait, wait. You were on our show. That's right. That it wasn't text. You were on our show. Wait, wait. You guys got to hear this. We had Father on our show. And Rob made the funniest joke. So the priest... You know, he, he well, he was never one to wear a cassock, anyways. But he showed up in a t-shirt and cargo pants. Oh, oh, <laughs> and uh, Rob asked, oh, "Can you do the apostolic party?" It was my answer. I was like, "But I keep it in my Evernote, and not everyone always keeps everything in their." Pockets. You don't have enough, <laughs> and you don't have a room in your pockets. And Rob goes, yeah. "Well, that's pretty ironic because he had cargo <laughs> pants." <laughs> 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 Which is so distasteful that we laughed at this because it was about his father's death. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's essentially your <coughs> you skip purgatory. You you and can only pardon. You but, only get one in your life. Yeah. So never take it. it. You can get out. You can get last rights more than one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But the apostolic pardon you get one time. And, and then you that is one purgatory, reason. everything, and every priest has the ability. Now, to God's do it. not bound. I mean, I imagine if someone dies barely with any faith, uh, yeah, and they need purgatory, God has a yes. right to do but, but I think generally it's understood it eradicates purgatory time. It will definitely minimize it, right? Like, yeah, it should eradicate Well, now, and for you, like, it, I guess this is like re- some level of like, co- really of some level of like, 
the consolation or like seeing how God works. Like he got the last right. So that is the most important thing. So even if he's in purgatory, that gives you the opportunity to pray for him so much more. Not because you're, you're so energized saying, I can't believe this priest didn't do it. I'm going to pray 10 times as much. You want to know what you guys really pointed out to me this week, Evan? So every mass we had, father asks, who do we want to offer this mass for? And every, all three of you kept saying the souls in purgatory. And it made me realize how, how often I do not, like I never pray for the souls in purgatory. I could thank Todd for that. Cause I didn't either. I, I never pray for them. Yeah. It's our conference. Okay. So there's, there's a couple of people specifically in purgatory. I pray for, but I don't pray generally for souls in purgatory. There's, there's three people that I've had that passed that I have a very difficult time with. Mm-hmm. And I pray specifically for their time in purgatory. Um, one really hurt me and my wife. So I always pray for that person who I believe is either in purgatory or, or not even. Yeah. So I always pray for that specific person. And I think it's because, like, I think a lot of a lot of purgatory is if people are still alive that are upset with you. Like, so if I have a past, mm-hmm. then there's people I've wronged in this life that are still upset with me, haven't forgiven me. I don't think I am able to leave purgatory until those people have forgiven me. So this person did something very hurtful. Provided it's an actual real offense you did. Oh, yeah. Sometimes people just did. Yeah, that's it. different. Yeah. But this person did something very offensive to me, and I want to make sure, please, God, don't ever let this person spend time in purgatory yeah. because of my hurt. Yeah. Please forgive this the, uh, person. Yeah, stop part here. Yeah. 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 Yes, of course. So, usually I give it in Latin. Here's it in English. Tell me if you like this set over you, right, before you die. May our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who gave to Peter his yes. apostle... The power to bind and to set free, receive in his most loving mercy your confession and give back to you that robe of grace which was first given to you in baptism. And I, by the power given to me by the apostolic sea, grant you a full pardon and the remission of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then, through the most sacred mysteries of the redemption of the human race, may Almighty God remit all the punishments due to you in this life and in the life to come. May he open to you the gates of heaven and lead you into everlasting life. Amen. May Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you. Amen. By the power given to me by the apostolic seed, I grant you a full pardon and a remission of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, by the power given to me by the apostolic seed, I grant you a full pardon and remission. Oh, I just read that part. Of it. It's two parts, sorry. So, I mean, is, is that not the most yeah, beautiful yeah. words you yeah. could ever hear Absolutely. on your death? It's a pardon, literally, from the Pope. Right, yeah. Yeah. That, that he is granted to and, every and the, and the, or the seed of Peter in case we're in an interregnum period, just theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the person himself who's in Rome who gives the pardon. It's well, right. the seed of Peter yeah, who gives the pardon. That's why my correction isn't superfluous there. Well, they well, say the greatest gift that you could ever receive is knowing the hour that that's specific for that reason. Yeah. No, that would be the biggest nightmare of yeah. on a planet. But if you wanted to know when you could die, would you really want to? the greatest blessing that yeah. God could ever give a Your person. whole life you'd be saying, okay, I have 17 hours uh, three days. It's almost a sure salvation at that point. Yeah, sure I understand, but I would never want to know. Biggest blessing. It's the biggest blessing God could give. Yeah, and then you could sin right up until that point. No, no, no. I'd say oh, that's Constantine? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I'll just go to confession a day before I'm going to have that. No way would I ever want to. There's some really interesting stories why God doesn't allow the, the system to be game, so to speak. You ever heard the story? This was in the Spanish Civil War. 
and two guys were going to get executed by, well, they were going to get executed. And the priest was trying to explain the promises of the scapular to two of these men. I was thinking this. Yeah, was you know exactly this one? Yeah. yeah. And so um, they didn't have time for confession. These guys were going up on the firing line. They were going to be executed. The priest gave them the chance to kiss the crucifix and put on the scapular. The first guy puts on the scapular, kisses the crucifix, and he's shot dead. He dies with the scapular. The second guy won't kiss the crucifix. He mocks the idea just to play safe. He puts on the scapular. Yeah. Goes up to the firing line. Keep in mind, his last act was mocking the Catholic faith. And he's shot, and as he hits scapular the ground, the scapula falls off and he yeah. dies. Yeah. Right? So God won't be mocked. How about the person that, uh, I don't know if it's the Golden State, one of those crazy bridges with the scapula on, jumped off the bridge, unsurvivable fall, and lived. lived. No one told us about the person on the, the boat going down. Yep. We yeah. threw the scapula in the water and it washed back up. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it was What's insane. It was a, so that it was a a Protestant guy on the boat. A boat was uh it was a storm happening or something like that. And everyone's like on the boat knowing they're about to die. And there's uh this Protestant minister like just like trying to like I don't know what he was. Was he praying for people? Whatever he was doing, like, but having like saying, "Like, oh, we're gonna die," panicking. And then this Catholic family, like, puts him aside and says, "Calm down." They throw their scapular in the water and they rebuke the storm, and the, the storm stops. But before it does, a wave splashes the scapular back. Oh, that's amazing. Before we get too far off, I want to hear. This isn't fair to the show. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> what was all supposed to be? Like, he he doesn't want to be. I know. He's known as the voice. What are you getting on camera? Come on in. Yeah. Come on in, Eddie. Be on camera. Everyone online talking. Who is this amazing person who's talking? You can't say. This is the funniest thing is anybody that watches our show knows who cousin Eddie is. It's not a person who watches our show. Does every Italian from Long Island have a cousin named Eddie? They might not, but all I do is talk about cousin Eddie. Eddie is specifically a cousin thing, not a brother's name, not a cousin. Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie. I talk about my family all the time. I talk about Joey, Frankie, Eddie. Mikey, this video, when you post it, it better be a picture of Eddie. Yeah. 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 For the better. Yeah, before we get too far off, the, the Holy Souls of Oh, Taz, I didn't know. Where do you want me to go? Here? That, okay. That's, yeah. That's How about here? Uh, that's true. Right. It was great the way it was. Huh? I now, we're not. Oh, man. That's good. I had it, Eddie. You're the worst. I had to get Eddie. You're the worst. What do you want, Rob? That's good. Is that all good? Yeah, that's fine, right? Yeah, Robin. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Todd's yeah. Robin. Yeah, yeah so I want to get back to the Holy Souls real quick. Rob, slide down. Uh, slide this. Because it, this, it's so powerful. Because think about reward you'll get in heaven. The 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 the, the, the what you'll feel in heaven, knowing that you release someone from purgatory through your prayers. If you were the prayer that got them out of purgatory, when you meet that person in heaven, and I and I do this too, is I pray specifically. For the poor souls in purgatory, for them to pray for things that I need when they get to heaven. So think about this: this, yeah. you know, the immense amount of prayers you'll have in heaven, not just the saints, but like all these people you're praying for, they get released and they're praying for you and your troubles on earth. And that's just like, 
That's the can, can I time I pass the cemetery? I do. Yeah. Okay. So all right. So you guys do that, right? You want to know a practice I've been doing a lot. Anytime anyone comes into my mind, whether it's a family member, a friend, anyone, if I if like, so if I'm driving into work and somebody at work comes into my mind, I say a hail mary for that person. Okay, and. I'm trying to build up treasure in heaven. Yes. Because I think when I die and I go to heaven, there will be people that like random people, like the most random of people that I have prayed Hail Marys for that I feel like they'll come up to me and be like, you got, you prayed a Hail Mary for me, man. Like, well, that's, that's, that's all I care about. Like, I just want to meet well, people in heaven. They're like, you prayed a Hail Mary. Nobody in the world prayed well, a Hail that's Mary. That's like, that's like a good souls. Think about someone who's been in purgatory for. Hundreds of years, literally hundreds mm-hmm. of years yeah. in purgatory. They have no body on earth who even knows them. And you're just yeah. praying for the poor souls, and they're one of the poor souls, and they yeah. receive that grace from our when lady. you meet Come them. That, when you, you talk about treasure in heaven on this earth. Yeah. That's one of the things my pastor Father Buzan said uh, to pray for the holy souls closest to being released. Yeah, yes. because once they make it to heaven, you'll pray. meet them they'll, in they'll heaven. Pray for and you they'll, they'll pray for you too. And they'll pray for you when they get to heaven. The idea of building subscribers in heaven. I really do. I like so if a random person will pop into my head, I'll just say how Mary thing. Guys at work, people, my my in-laws' friends. Like weird people. If somebody pops in my head, I'll just go, I'll just say Hail Mary for them because I really want to pray for people that nobody has ever prayed for. Yeah. You know, like we, like people that have not, religion is not even in their lexicon. Right. And none of their family members believe. And I want to go, all right, I'm going to say Hail Mary for that person. So yeah. does that mean you pray for the Well, because I, I mean, <laughs> well, it's, it goes <laughs> off of this topic. And the fact that, guarantee that Christ is the one that's putting them in, in Probably. But here's the thing. The mercy of God is just so incredible that he, he ends up helping souls who are just in despair and distress with other souls. I'll give you a quick story about St. Pio. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. There was a general who was, at the moment they were losing the war, he was getting ready to blow his brains out. He was in despair. St. Pio shows up to him. By locates. Different country. Shows up to him. The guy ends up you know, Are you talking World in World War Two? This was one. This one. This was one. World War One. World War One. Yeah. Okay. Fifteen years later, he ends up in Giovanni Rotunda. He's standing in line of confession. Saint Peter just walks over, you know, passes him, comes back around, looks at him, and goes, "Rough night, huh, General?" And goes back. Boom! Right there was confessional. He's literally God, just so merciful. He'll use others. Yeah. The PO stories are so amazing. So, this so is, I was going to yeah. tell you. So uh, tell me if you guys have been. Uh, I can't stop thinking about this that Father Nolan said uh, on the feast day of uh, Padre Pio that just passed. He gave uh, on Sunday. He gave a homily. A forty minute homily. Forty minute homily. And you heard Nolan's uh, article. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells a story about uh, there was this one. She's a blessed who is very close to Padre Pio. And uh, she's a mystic. And after Padre Pio died, she had a mystical experience in a vision. And she asked Christ, uh, what do you think of what, what do you think about Padre Pio? And God, Christ starts telling her all these different things. And the one thing that stood out to me, I don't know if you guys remember this one, is he said, Padre Pio is my wine cellar in which I placed myself to inebriate myself. Yes. He said that. Yes. Well, oh. He is my wine cellar in which I enter to inebriate myself. Like, his soul just is, imagine is, is Christ saying that. Uh, yeah, 
the, the words that our Lord described St. Pio. Eddie, can you tell the story about Ariana and Pio about that? They'll know it. They've all heard it. They know. Uh, actually, they've heard it about 40 times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not through Eddie. Not through Eddie. Yeah. The voice. Tell so, us about it. No, listen. They know, they know that. Listen. Eddie, here's, the here, you have to understand how this goes. So um, we're going to a retreat, this flame of love retreat that Father Blunt is hosting. Now, uh, the flame of love retreat was a weird one because Eddie and I both had the same experience where they were trying to shoehorn this phrase into the Hail Mary. And neither of us liked it. Yeah, I remember that. You were there? Yeah, no, I've been to a flame of love. Back you were the one the year before. You yeah. backed out the second year. Yeah, so, out. so we go, and they're trying to shoehorn this Which is the only reason Ariana was there is because he backed out, so my wife took his ticket. It was thrown off the whole rosary. It was so weird. It's yeah. a weird thing, yeah. and I felt so wrong. What was, the, what was the phrase? It was like, oh, man. It was, oh, I forgot. Oh, okay, so Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, may your flame of love, blah, 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 whatever the phrase was. And then it goes back into the Hail Mary, and it's and it was just such an awkward thing. So the whole conference, me and Eddie are looking at each other. I'm like, I don't I just don't. Father Blanc is very charismatic. So, yeah. so, you know. so we're both feeling very off about it, right? But on the way to the retreat, Eddie's talking to Ariana about Padre Pio. My wife is Protestant at this point. She was Protestant. Wife, she's yeah. not Catholic at this point, mm. and he's telling her no, about. No, we how were married. Sorry, we were just you're, married. You yeah. just married. Yeah. She's she's not quite there yet, right? My wife just converted, and he's telling her about him by locating and all these different things, and she's like rolling her eyes. Rolling her eyes, like, all right, come on. You would have. Yeah, all right, yeah, he bilocates. Yeah, okay, his hands are bleeding. You know, all these things, just kind of, like, just shrugging her shoulders. We go, we're hearing this phrase, the whole thing, and both of us are just so turned off by it. But then Father Blunt gives an amazing sermon. Like, it was the only good part of the whole retreat. And then everybody gets to go up, and Father Blunt lays his hands on you. And he kissed the true cross, too. He kissed the true cross, and he tells you, and he lays his hands on you and he gives you a word from God. Now, Eddie goes up and what did he say to you? He said, I want to restore the joy of your youth. That's what he said God, to you. God, God wants to restore the joy of your youth. Okay. I go up. Stealing things? Holy crap! Holy crap! Oh my and that was the greatest callback in history. And it outed at one hour, 37 minutes. Oh, they don't even know because I edited it out of the first bit. Father, that was beyond hilarious. So Eddie goes off. It's humbling. Maybe the joy of your youth was Hope House. <laughs> All right, so I think you meant younger than that. Yeah, that's childhood innocence. Yeah, go. yeah. So that was Eddie's. I go up and he tells me, "Shut your mouth. You need to pray for your father's conversion." Now he doesn't know anything about my dad. He doesn't know anything. My my dad hasn't been to mass in years, right. and it really struck me. It was like really struck me. But Eddie's wife goes up. And he says, Padre Pio wants you to know you're his Yeah, he asked, do you know who Padre Pio is first? And she was like, what? Wow. And he says, he wants you to know you're his spiritual daughter. After them on the ride to the thing and him and she, her rolling her eyes about Pio. Yeah. 
So I, it was just a very uh, personal thing. That's all I'll say. So but, uh, despite us not being crazy about the flame of love phrase being horseshoed <laughs> into the rosary, the, the things Father Blount said to all of us really did resonate with all While of us. While we're talking about Pio, you might as well tell the other Pio story. Which one? Can I say something about Pio real quickly, please? You don't like the whole among versus amongst thing? My biggest pet peeve is the whole Padre Pio thing. Put some respect in that boy's name. It's Saint Pio. Saint Pio. <laughs> Why is he the only one we never say Saint? <laughs> Just Padre Pio. Yeah. Padre, Padre Pio. Pio. You're right. Saint Pio. I'm, I'm going to give you that one. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give you that. Father Isaac. I, I will give you that one. Good one. I will give you Saint Pio. But if you ever say a monk, I'll give you Saint Pio. But I better hear a monks in the rosary tomorrow. That's all I'm telling. Like after I stand for Jesus, I, what I picture is walking into like the most beautiful church like that eyes have ever seen, and just walking in and seeing like Padre Pio, Saint Pio, all the saints. You want to know why? So that's your meditation. Do you have a meditation on death on the altar? I have a meditation on death. Yeah, I have a very vivid memory. I have a very vivid. A very vivid meditation on death, and it has to do with has to do with Our Lady. What do you mean by death? So when I actually come into heaven, okay, it's my my vision has always been, and it's always to do. It's my favorite mystery: the Rosary is the coronation of Our Lady, and seeing all of heaven rejoice at the coronation of Our Lady. Going with all just everyone saying, oh my goodness, look at her. Like, it's almost like the way I see it, the way I see it, it's almost as if, no, it's almost as if Christ is also raising her up. Of course. Yeah. It's Christ not just all of us going, oh, it's her son also <laughs> Even doing it. Even the of Mary, they, they, Jesus came to give her right? himself that you learned from Sarah. Yeah, rejoice. It's just, of course, the Yeah, it's just, it's just the way I see Our Lady. She's just wow. Well, and she's the pinnacle of creation. Really, like a dedicated Catholic. You know, I have, I have a topic to go back to something that Eddie said earlier. Wait, let these two finish. I don't know if they're. All right, go ahead. No, go ahead, guys. Oh, no, no, we were talking about. No, I was just saying, I, I went to the house that Mary died in. Mm. Oh, in Ephesus? Ephesus? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> holy water. It was cool. But yeah. at the time that I went, I wasn't like really mm. serious about my faith. Yeah. I, I was like, I wish I could go back now. You know? so well, I, Eddie said something about suffering. I'd like to ask everyone a question. Before I get there, are there any more cool PO stories? Because I don't. I don't think the listeners or me can get enough PO stories. The the I love hearing your story. Let's hear a few more PO stories from Was that PO? Touch the relic PO? No, St. Maximilian Cold. Oh, that's right. But I told that. So that's any story to tell. I think he's a hermit, too. He tells the story about St. Maximilian That was the same accident. And you named his son. Okay. Yeah. I, like I, I can hear that one. Death to me is kind of like soldier with Saint Michael. That story. I, I tell Sienna that story That's at night. She's obsessed with that story. Well, it's when uh, we'll it That's actually a legit story. It is. It, it is, is a, a legit, legit story. story. Yeah. He wrote to his mom. Yeah. Yeah. It was a soldier, and, and his mom always would pray a certain Saint Michael prayer with him every night. Yeah. So when he went to the army, he would say the prayer. I have a comic book on this. Have you guys seen it? No. 
As they made a whole comic book of it's like Get real out. like fifties style explosions and stuff. Oh, so cool. Cool. Yeah, oh, that's that's cool. Cool. Tell the story. <laughs> yeah, so then he uh he would always say the Saint Michael prayer and one day the battle. Korean War. I don't know. That's Korean War. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the Korean War. Yes, yeah, so it was a Korean War. To to, no, because he said he was fighting the Nazis. No, no, it's Korean War. Korean War. So anyway, he's he's every day he says the prayer, and then they're walking in battle one day, and it starts snowing. He looks over, and he sees this huge soldier that he's never seen before. He looks over, he's like, "Hey, what's your name?" And I haven't seen him before. He's like, "Michael." Michael. He's like, "Oh, Michael." I didn't know there was another Mike, Michael in this platoon. My name is Michael too. They keep walking, they keep walking. All of a sudden, they look back and nobody's behind them. It's just the two of them. They walk over like, over a hill and the snow stops and they can see this, so the enemy soldiers. All of a sudden, gunshots. Boom, 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 boom. So Michael goes down and he looks to his right and he sees Michael standing on the street and he's going, Michael, get down and shoot. And he said he looks over and Michael pulls out his sword that's shining with white light. And he got like three times the size, and he just blacked out at that point. And then he woke up in the hospital, and he said to the, the his commander was there or whatever, and his commander's like, how'd you do it, son? He's like, how'd I do what? He's like, how'd you kill those soldiers over there? He's like, what do you mean? I didn't do anything. He's like, how'd you do it, son? Like, what do you mean? I have, a, I have no idea. What are you talking about? He's like, all three of those soldiers were killed in the sword stroke. Yeah, it was St. Michael, got up. And, and, and he said to him, he's like, he was like, it, it must have been Michael. And he's like, there was no other Michael in the platoon besides you. Ooh. Yeah, the, uh, you love those stories, he man. Wrote that, he wrote that letter to his mom. Yeah, soldier. He's from, and he kept saying, you believe me, don't you, Ma? You believe me, don't you? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get to your mom, I'm really happy. Yeah. You, you, hear the, you hear the early saint stories, though, especially in the early church, man. They're so powerful. So much yeah. suffering, so much miracles. It's like constant suffering, constant miracles. Yeah. Like we did a show about uh, St. Philomena. Oh, yeah. St. Philomena, they tried drowning her three times. They would drown her for 15 minutes. They should come up dead. Oh, she pop back to life. Yeah. And, he, and you're hearing these stories. You're like, that poor woman. Right. Just keep coming back up to get drowned again. Like I, My favorite one is, I forget which saint it was, but they sent the soldiers to come and send them in the... Uh, into the pit with the lions. Okay, and when so they well, and when they came, he offered them dinner. Yeah. And they're like, we're about to kill you. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then he goes in there and the lions won't eat him. Saint Lawrence, Saint Lawrence. Saint Lawrence is the patron saint of headaches who I pray to. No, Dennis. Dennis, I'm sorry, Saint Saint, Saint Dennis, sense, yeah. Pedro Saint of he- Headaches. I, I they, think you're winning us headless, not headaches. No, they, they, uh, they behead him, and he picks up his head, and he goes and preaches the gospel. <laughs> now you don't know. I mean, those are early Christian stories, so they could be embellished a bit, but Dude, still, the Saint I think story is insane. Yeah, the most people don't know the actual Saint Patrick story. Father Shannon Collins, that's a sick. So St. Patrick actually has like a miracle of almost like Elijah and uh, oh, with, he, with the, the priest, with, priest. They with their druids, in. yeah, yeah, and then oh, yeah. and, and like he makes it snow, and then they try to like do something, and he just it's just so wild, and it winds up the druid priest that was trying to perform whatever miracles he was after St. Patrick performs all his St. Patrick. So that the best thing that ever happened to Ireland was the British. 
Yep. <laughs> 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 than that, like, you know, that one. <laughs> the king of Ireland had a daughter. Had a daughter named Dublin, and she died. So he said, yeah. if you bring my daughter back to life, I will convert convert all of Ireland. And St. Patrick Keen and raise his daughter from, Dublin back from the and dead. And then they named this the city of uh of Dublin. Capital of, of Dublin. Of yeah. Dublin. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah dude, this, the story of St. Patrick, everybody talks about the snakes. Right. right. But you gotta hear the real story of St. Patrick. Stuff, this guy. He was a slave there. Yeah, got out of and he comes back. Yeah. What about stories for St. Vincent Ferrer? I mean, yeah. I never really heard any. Oh, but, but let me tell you this one. It's not much of a miracle, but it's on uniformly with more miracles than any other saint. St. Vincent Ferrer. He was called the Angel of the Apocalypse. He held back the Apocalypse. There's only five, probably five to say St. Apostolic gifts a year. St. Anthony Padua, St. Vincent Ferrer, Padre Pio. St. Vincent Ferrer for supporting an Anthony Apparently, here's the difference. I'm just saying. I'm going to tell you the difference. The difference. So St. Catherine of Siena was supporting the true Pope. Vincent Ferrer was supporting the Anthony Yeah, so basically it doesn't matter what Hold on. It doesn't matter what you think of the here's, Pope. But here's the thing. We, we got 40 anti-popes. Mm-hmm. The difference was both of them were totally orthodox, traditional. There was a jurisdictional. Debate. But either way, if, if you don't believe the actual Pope is the Pope, or if you believe the actual... If, either way, it's not about what you think of the Pope. You could still be a saint. No, I realize you're trying to project the 13th century on it now, but you got to realize there's a major difference. Yeah. And the major difference... Is that the last forty anti-popes were Orthodox traditionalists? Yeah. There was only jurisdictional yeah. debate. So, yeah, it happens that Saint Catherine of Siena was correct and Saint Vincent Ferrer was wrong. But here's what I'll give you: He was saying the name of the wrong pope in the, the canon the whole and time. It didn't affect the same effect as That's my point. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Was, was he alive when the? The Western Schism ended. Yeah, yeah he eventually it, supported. And he supported. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was alive when it was happening. I don't know about. No, he was. He ended up. He did. Yeah, he, 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 he you can say the wrong pope in the canon and still be a saint. But God was right. performing miracles through him while he was in the womb. Like he, his mother, his, mother, his that, mother was, you know, she was pregnant, and there was this, this holy nun who was blind. He said, "You know, go get a blessing, go get a prayer from her before before." She puts her head on to the belly. She all of a sudden she can see. Really? Yeah. So he was. So you see that, like God actually does choose people from so oh, yeah. early. Yeah. On. He said that yeah. then he lived. If he didn't live and start converting people, all the people that he did, it, that's when the apocalypse was. So happen. they call him the saint. The, the, the angel. The angel. The angel. People yeah. didn't believe him. He raised somebody from the dead. Asked the question. Tell him who I am. Angel of the apocalypse. That she went back. To, she went back. Yeah. To, she went to sleep. She, she was dead. Like he he was it was on 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 command. I have to read a book on it. No, read his book. He writes. Yeah, uh, he wrote a book. No, no, the treatise on the spiritual life. He was. I mean, it's amazing. He really, so you read this book. You're like this and man. She went, she so holy. But there's so much stuff. I don't know anything about Saint Vincent. All I know is I'm going to take um you and you to Saint Vincent Ferrer in Manhattan on Sunday. But so let me let me talk. Let's compare him to now for a minute. I'm talking about papacy. I want to talk about. Ecumenism being tantamount to the heresy of religious indifferentism. We have these errors nowadays that there's three Abrahamic religions. One reason we know this is false is the Jew for Victor. 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 I I was telling them every time they tell that story about you and you, oh my God. Wife. Which is every ten minutes, right? Like you, you almost lost your marriage, and you when you were praying. I wonder. I, I would. 
I want to play that guy. Remember that song? I played like Flip Your Son of Story with the horrible voice and the blue shirt. You told my story one time on a podcast, yeah. and I like edited it and I put that guy's voice. Yeah. No one knew. But I tell that story because I hope somebody can relate to it. You know, and, and look, so one of the things people, like, they, they made a drinking game. They made a drinking game out of our show. Like, anytime I mention Cousin Eddie, they got to do a shot. Anytime, but, like, I tell the same stories over because we have a lot of new listeners. And that's just how radio works. Or that's just how, like, you have to tell the same stories repeatedly. And the people who listen every time hear the same thing over and over. But there's a lot of people who are tuning in for the first time and never heard it before. Absolutely. And that story yeah. specifically about a marriage falling apart, there's a lot of people who are having a difficult time in their marriage that if they hear what I say, it may inspire them to pray and fast for their marriage, it, and it may save someone's marriage. So that's like the only reason I will say the uh, conscience for cancer priest, like the Xerox CEO, made everyone hear the same story a thousand times to get in their brain. Yeah, but that's what happens, right? When you... No, they asked me to, but I he was there. I just liked him hang out. <laughs> I hung out with him. Oh, I yeah. had I had something happen to me while I was there, and I was going to go to confession at a priest that I didn't know, and I said, as an act of humility, I'm going to go and tell my friend, my my friend priest. And it was a hard thing to do. Because especially you don't want it's hard to you know, you want I want Father Dave Nix to think I'm some holy guy, which I'm not. And I had an act of yeah. humility. I went and I confessed some things. So it was like pretty embarrassing, you, you know? A personal relationship with your confessor. Yeah. They could really uproot the sin. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, we priests have to go to priests, and you know priests, so, you know, it's in some sense it's hard for priests. But, okay, so I want to talk about St. Vincent Ferrer. <coughs> he, well, I'll just skip the whole thing of religious indifference and ecumenism. He went into mosques. And synagogues, and he either converted thirty thousand Muslims and forty thousand Jews, or forty thousand Jews and thirty thousand Muslims. I can't remember the numbers, but it's one of those two. So when we're in a time of like the Abrahamic house, a priest going into Muslim imams and having Jews come into churches and everything else like this, how do we know who's right? Like, there's a lot of Catholics who look at Saint Vincent Fair and say, "Well, he was just a product of his time," but God is blessing. The acts of ecumenism that we see in the hierarchy right now. That has alcohol in it, you know. The way we actually know <laughs> who's, that has whose side God is on, the way we know whose side God is on in all of this is the miracles of St. Vincent Ferrer. So you could say possibly he was a product of his time and he went into, into synagogues preaching the gospel saying you can't be saved without Jesus. He went into mosques telling the Muslims you can't be saved without Jesus. So where's the ecumenical miracles? Exactly. Where's the if this is if we've actually come to a higher theological understanding, where are the ecumenical miracles and miracles about them up? And that's why right. and why is the Pope telling people not to proselytize? Yeah, it's just like what? not to proselytize. Yeah. Proselytize. That's right. Yeah. I mean. And, and, and there's too many too many traditionalists against. don't realize no, proselytizes converting people, but it's a positive negative. Some Someone say it's forced converting. No, it's not. That's, that's not what, what proselytize ever meant. Right. Proselytize meant converting people. Right. There's no such thing. Forced conversion is what proselytization is evangelization at the lips of someone who hates evangelization. A little bit. That's all. Maybe a little bit. Right. Why would the Pope tell people not to do that? Because uh, everyone's saved. 
Are you asking if he's the Pope? Is that what you're asking? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not get there. 